All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And welcome back. Good to see you. It is Boomer here in the Tower Chrysler Studios. Tower Chrysler, number one in, in, in your heart. Number one in your scorecard. Number one in your heart. Consumer Choice Awards award-winning dealership. There's so many of them out there. Why go to the others when you can go to the one that everyone thinks is the best? That's what I do. It's Surge. It's Aaron. It's, it's all the it's everybody over at, uh, at Tower Chrysler. Go experience the Tower Chrysler experience for yourself. McLeod Trail South, Southport Road. Willow Park, you know where it is. Uh, today, part two of our sit down, Rhett and I in conversation with Matt Stage, and the leaf becomes a flame moving to Calgary. Brian Burke calls, and that's never a good thing. A uh, early morning phone call from Berkey comes, and it's pack your stuff in a hurry and get to Calgary. And in Toronto, people are very excited about this trade. In Calgary, not so much. Let's get to segment two with Matt Stage and right now on Barnburner. We could talk about the trade, but I know we've talked about this in the past, but you kind of felt like your time in Toronto was coming to an end contract wise, how the team was. And like you said, you want to win when, how far prior to the deal to Calgary, did you kind of sense that because you had contract expiring that whole thing? Mm-hmm. When did you start to think that it was over in Toronto? Um, well, from from the coach, I thought it was going to be over. Because you went from Quinn to Maurice to, to Ron Wilson. Yes. So and and Ron was a hard coach, but he was he pushed me like, but he was giving me lots of opportunity, and and we didn't have anybody. So I was playing with Phil Kessel. I was playing a lot of minutes, and um, I was putting up fifty points for a couple of years, and um, so. You know, obviously they're gonna do that to raise my value too. Like it's there's yeah. part of that. And um so it was it was in January probably before the trade happened, even December. Um I would uh you know, you, you just you talk to your agent, you're like, What's going on? Do they wanna you just kinda get a feel? Um, and then there was no extension talk, but um yeah, so it just kinda happened. But talking to Berkey after I got he said there was no, wasn't your, we were trading you for sure. We would have liked to have kept you at the right, if it worked out, like you were good for our room and maybe you just slide down to um, where you should play like second, third line and, and 
we would love to keep you. But obviously, when they could get Dion, uh, who they were targeting at the time, they had to give up some pieces. And, and I was one of the guys that Calgary wanted. So I, I totally understand the business of the game. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, looking back, I'm like, I wish I came to a team that was going to make the playoffs for sure. And and uh, and then you have the summer, like you see now, you're a rental player. But mm. you know, I I thought at the time that we were a good team here in Calgary and we had the pieces, but it just, things seemed off here when I came here. It was, it was really, I guess they had lost 10 in a row. So something wasn't going right. So it was a kind of a weird situation to come into. Um, but it was also exciting because I had the chance to, to maybe make the playoffs and play with Jerome and, and, and all the, the names that were here. So I'll get, I want to, obviously we want Matt's perspective. What do you remember January 31st, 2010. I remember where I was. You get the word that Flames have traded Fanuf, and then it's, well, where and for what? Did you sense that a Fanuf deal was coming? No, I wasn't paying much attention to the game at the time, yeah, to be yeah. quite honest with you. I was recently retired and more yeah. pissed off about hockey than anything. So I remember hearing about it, but, yeah. it, but I certainly hadn't heard rumblings uh, in the community or amongst friends and ex-teammates that, there was a imminent Dion Phaneuf trade about yeah. to happen because you knew what Dion was. It, he was it was out of left field. Yeah, he's a confident kid, and he's you know maybe that. Well, it was yeah. also Daryl's. Yeah, he's your boy, baby. Right, yeah. he's yeah. the only kid that has ever come in under Daryl Sutter and been handed twenty some minutes a night and yeah. and and praised and and actually I remember being in Colorado once his rook Dion's rookie year and he Daryl was he's the only guy that plays you know it was almost like. This yeah. is completely opposite of what Daryl's usually preaching. Yeah. And you knew there would have been some friction. He's a guy that would have, that's, he was conducive to rubbing people the wrong way, potentially. But you just thought, they'll find a way to work this out. So then, blam, he's gone, goes to Toronto, not long before he's wearing the C. They're, you know, they're very excited in Toronto. They're not very excited in Calgary. So in, in on almost on two fronts, like, well, guess they're not going to miss me in Toronto and they aren't super jacked to get me in Calgary. Walk us through. Cause it was kind of the late night, early morning trade. Cause I know Calgary played the night before and then it was kind of a Sunday morning. It all came out. Yeah. We, well, both the, the trade was done Saturday yeah. from now what I've heard, but both teams had games. They had to, I guess the trade is, they just had to get through that game. And I just remember we, we played Vancouver and we had, we had, uh, um, we lost in overtime and then we had the day off on the Sunday. So I just remember being at home. Um, I, we were making, my wife was making pancakes. Something I was sitting on the couch. I don't know what we did the night before. We didn't have kids at the time. So, and then you, your phone starts buzzing, you know, you, you get a, and then I think my mom was texting me like something's going down with your team and mom's he, on. oh yeah, my mom's super diehard. <laughs> Yeah, she's all about that. But you you just hear everything. But then I got a call from from Whitey, Ian White, um, saying, well, my agent also texted me. But they also represent Dion. So something was going down, and then Ian White text called me and was like, yeah, I just got traded. <laughs> like He's like, I'm like, where? He's like, I can't. They wouldn't tell me who. And they didn't tell me. They just told me I'm going to Calgary. And they didn't say who I was going with, but they said there's other players. So I was like, okay, it's, you know, I'm not going, like, I haven't got a call. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm that like, sucks, so, you know, and then, but honestly, like it would probably was like five, 10 minutes later. It might even be when I was on the phone. I think I had a call, a, a beep, yeah. like called waiting. And it was, uh, it was, I don't know. It was Berkey. It was leaf leaf's jam. He called me first and, and said the exact same thing. We traded to, to Calgary um it's a it's a seven player deal you're not going alone i can't share details who else is going just the thank you for your services and best of luck right it's and kind that's of what it is, that's right? what it is it's because yeah. you know they just everybody just wants to rip the bandit off and move on um so and that, and that was it and then i think it was like an hour later daryl called me and just welcome we're happy to have you there's a plane coming to get you in three hours be on it we play tomorrow night <laughs> like that was it so literally we had to figure out packing from home is fine you get you pack whatever you can but we had to go downtown to the to the arena to get our stuff 
because our equipment was all there. And uh, yeah, so I remember going to the rink and grabbing the stuff. You say better the trainers. Um, and then I remember running into Berkey there just in the parking garage. He was, we just happened to, and he, and he was awesome. He was like, he's like stage. I didn't want to do this. And it's, it just part of the game. You'll understand as you go. I'm like, Nope, I get it. Um, so you say bye to everybody and, and right to the airport. And Ken King was there. He came and, um, picked us up. I was going to say, cause they did send a plane, right? They, they sent the plane cause we played the next night. So they wanted to get us in right away. Um, so Ken King came in and picked the four of us up. We couldn't fit all our stuff on the plane. So our equipment went on. There's four of us. There's Jamal. Nick Hagman, yeah. Yeah. Jamal and, and Nick Hagman. And we landed here. It was dark when we landed here. And I remember we had to get our physicals. So right away we were at the hotel and we were staying at the international. They put us at the international back then. Um, man, was it dry in that place? But uh, <laughs> yeah, we did our physicals that night and Daryl was talking to us. And then I'm like, Matt, you're playing tomorrow. And, and you, we hadn't met anybody yet. Like I had a phone call from, from Drome and, and that's pretty much it. Um, until you get to know everybody. So next morning you have more in skate and then you play, we played Philadelphia the next night. So it was, it was a whirlwind experience and it was just kind of weird. Cause you don't get to say bye to anybody. Like that was my hometown. Like that was home for me. And I'm like, Hey, this is hours. It was literally hours gone. You know, and I couldn't imagine having kids at the time if that happens. Like that, you did have a wife, though. I did have a wife, and she was working, and and she was a teacher. So it was a little bit of that. So, yeah, it just I came, and there was an All Star break coming up uh, a week later. So we did get to kind of reset. Um, But our All Star break was supposed to be in Bahamas, so it was like a long flight from here. (laughs) But that's that's a hard goodbye. All everything's in your head. Yes, but honey, I, I gotta go. Yeah. Bye. See ya. And you leave her all yeah. alone and you're yeah. off. That's, and we had as f- fans don't think of that. No, and we had just moved into the house we built in Toronto. We were in it for maybe two months. Um, kiss of death, buddy. Yeah, no, I know. And then, uh, we were gone. It was, yeah. it's crazy. And then you're staying here and the, and the scene it didn't, it was, it was a weird dressing room dynamic when I came to Calgary like for a team that I was like it's been on the cusp it was just a weird dynamic in the room like I guess they the team had lost 10 in a row and you know they made changes they want and they made what that wasn't the only trade they made they brought in who was it Kodalik and Higgins mm-hmm. as well for I don't even know who went Jokin out and Prust from that's right New York so like it was weird so we played that morning Oli was still here it was a Monday morning because that was weird too. That was really weird. So we're having more skate. Oli's on the ice. And then after that, there's like rumblings in the dressing room. We're the new guys. And it's like, yeah, Oli's traded this and that. And then we have a game that night. So it was like, yes, it was just a weird, weird vibe, weird situation. But then after the All-Star break, you get settled in and, um, and it was good. Actually, it wasn't, it was Olympic break that year. Oh, so okay. it was actually a longer break. So it wasn't bad, but we had lost Damon Lankow, who was second line or the first line center. I would say he was the first line center and I was second. And then you had Connie. So you have these guys injured. You trade Ole and the land goes down. So we had an uphill battle when you really look at it, but Hagman and Whitey were so good in Toronto. Like they were like quality players and we all struggled and jammer too. But jammer played well when that, I remember him coming in. He played well. Him and Nystrom went on that run at the end of the season. But me, uh, Hagman and Whitey, we just couldn't find our footing. It but was, it's a it, different role for Jamal Mayers than it is for you guys. Because yes. you guys, you're going to bring the offense. Your skill guys. True. Mayers is a character guy, you know, playing the fourth row crash bank. Yeah. Easier to play your game. Yeah. And the, 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 you know, the measuring stick's a little easier, I think, for him. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. Looking yeah. even later in my career when I was a fourth line guy, like you, you can you just make sure you do your job and it's, you're not relied on to score, but yeah, we just all, it, it was, a, I didn't say, I just, I didn't even think I played terribly down the stretch, but I wasn't like, it just, the next year was the, the really tough year for me, Yeah, but we just didn't make it. And then, um, but Hagman was, he was so good in Toronto when he came here and I, I talked to him about his, he just couldn't find a, a role on the team. Like he was a good player. He's putting up 30 goals. I know he's getting more opportunity there, but he was still getting opportunity here. 
Um, so it was just weird. Like, I think everybody looks at it one for one, me for Dion, but like there's other pieces that were solid NHLers that it just didn't work out. So that's what happened. I, I, it just kind of went that way. So unfortunately it was a, a tough start, but I think anybody gets traded mid season yeah. and gets thrown in like that. And, and I was excited to play with, with, with Iggy and I'm a passer and, um, he's a shooter, but we didn't, we had some success at times, but it wasn't like what everybody thought. And I wasn't a legitimate number one center. Like I said, honest truth. I was always a two, three guy, more of a penalty killer, even in Toronto. That, that was my role. I never was a offensive guy, but all that pressure came on to me because I re-signed here and, and people thought that's what I should have been. And that was near the end for Daryl too. That's, that's why all of that felt, it felt like Daryl had gotten a little bit desperate and was trying to make some deals. And he, Brent was the coach and we'll talk about Brent. And I don't, I don't know that he and Brent were. Yeah, it was weird. In a great spot. Even the whole thing were, was weird. I was the, far away from it. I was done, but I knew yeah, just talking with guys that it wasn't a cohesive unit from top down. And no. you saw it immediately. It was, yeah. Like <laughs> it was like within a road trip, like you go on the road, you see kind of where everybody's hanging out and you're getting pulled in different directions. I like me and Gio are, are you know, best of friends, but like I knew him a little bit. So he's kind of the guy you, you hang out with and, but then you hear different sides of, and you just feel that in the room. It was, sure. it was, a, it was weird. And I know I've said that a lot, but it was individually, just everyone yeah. good guys, yeah. but it was a weird dynamic. Exactly. In the exactly. And I loved all, like we had fun, like Kipper was awesome. And noodles was the goalie coach. Like we had such a good group. We just, it just never meshed because yeah. there was yeah difference of opinion on a lot of things, including the style of play. Every day on Barn Burner, the Pinder Report is brought to you by Village Honda. Village Honda has new Hondas arriving daily and has a huge pre-owned inventory. With over 70 used vehicles on site and access to over 400 more in their dealer group. All makes, all models, all budgets. It's award-winning service, a top-rated team. Village Honda is your dealership for life. Located in the Northwest Auto Mall and online at villagehonda.com. The Hearing Loss Clinic was opened in 1993 with a simple mission, make a positive difference in the lives of our clients. It's never been about hearing loss or hearing impairment. It's been about empowering you to be socially active or more connected with loved ones and confident in every aspect of your life. Men and women of all ages, and of course, children can suffer from hearing loss too. There can be serious health risks that are linked to untreated hearing loss, and you can get a peace of mind at four Calgary locations. Shaughnessy. University District, Northwest in the Crowfoot Business Center, and in the North Hill Professional Offices. If you've got issues with your hearing, come visit one of their four Calgary locations for an evaluation. They're the 2022 Chamber of Commerce Professional Services Excellence Award winner. Visit one of their three locations in BC. You can find them at Cranbrook, Creston, Fernie, Golden, and Invermere. Famous people that have swung by the hearing loss clinic, John Huffnagel, Lanny McDonald, Haley Wickenheiser, Peter Marr. It's worked for them and it can work for you. Check out their social streams on Twitter at The Hearing Loss or on Instagram at The Hearing Loss Clinic. So you come in your first full year. So that's the, you get the trade in January, you come back that fall and okay, we start fresh, clean slate. Yep. We're going to, but you and Brent, did you clash? Did he... I think it, I think when I first got there, like when I first got there, I was I played with Iggy a bit, but I was Lankel was too, so I was kind of in a good role. Lankel got hurt, and then I forced in, and we'd missed the playoffs. Um, and then the next season, I was slotted to play with on the second line, I think with Borky and Hagman, like be a good second, third, wherever we were slotted, because um, they brought Oli back. Play with, to right. play with Iggy so yeah it, which was also weird but uh anyways it, it I got hurt the first um preseason game that year I separated my shoulder in Vancouver so I missed all of training camp after that so I missed the first three games of the year I think the first game was we got blown blown out in Edmonton the old Everly goal it was it was yeah. a tough start um and then I came back fourth game and yeah, I was playing with Tangay and, and Iggy and we, we played good. It was a, I, I looked back recently at, at like, how did my, my game logs back then? And I was like, Oh, I wasn't terrible for the first 
month and a half. Like it wasn't bad. And, and then I looked and as, as soon as my ice time dropped, so I, I obviously had lost Brent's trust in that time. And then all of a sudden I found myself on the fourth line and it was just, and that's where I was. Um, so I don't really know why that was. I thought I would at least be on the third line and play a little bit more or penalty kill. Like he wasn't even using me as a penalty killer when I first got here. Like there's this notion that I needed to put up points and I was like, I've always penalty killed. That was my thing. And then it just took a while. And, and by the end of Brent's tenure, it actually came full circle and he was playing me more again, but then he was gone. Then Bob came in and Bob used me in a role. He's like, you're not playing any power play. I said, okay, that's, I don't think that's my role anyways. And he used me on the penalty kill and as a checking center to play against the other team's top line. He said, that's your job. And that's all he said to me. And from there, my, I had two really good seasons and kind of niched out another five years of my career yeah. from that. It's funny. That's, it seems like such a simple thing, but I wonder if that's so often what players don't get. You're, like you say, am I well, it's supposed two, to get points or am I a penalty killer? Or am yeah. I a checker? It's two things as well, though, because Stage is accepting of what he's told yeah. by the coach, right? Whereas if Fair. he's like, the hell with that, I am a point producer. You yeah. can't put me. You know, that's where the, yeah. the disconnect happens. Yeah. And that's where some guys fail in their careers. Yeah. Like sometimes you have to accept a role that. And not that you're saying that you deserved more or even wanted more, but you you do accept a role and you apply it to the best of your ability. Yeah. Whereas other guys will go, yeah. the coach is an idiot. Yeah. I should be doing more. And I, and I want you always want to play more, and you always want to play on the power play. Like that's just I didn't, I didn't like the power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, but, accepting accepting of yeah. your role, yeah. but you just you have like Brett, you have to adapt. You don't survive in the league a long time if you can't adapt. Like, obviously, you're going to have your stars that are going to always be the stars on the team. But everybody else, like, you have to adapt or you're going to – you become a bad teammate and the guy who's always bitching and, like, team's going to find someone else. Yeah. It's it's pretty simple. So Find a role and do it well. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm kind of jumping all over a little bit. So you come after the trade. You end that season. The next year, obviously, Katie's here now. And looking back – I was maybe a little surprised because you signed the extension four years mm -hmm. and it didn't, it still felt like I'm not sure where this team is at or if this team is cohesive. It just still didn't feel. So it was like, this is a, this is stage and saying, I'm in, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in for the city. I'm in for the team. I'm staying long-term when you were close to free agency. What was your decision-making process? Cause that, that's everybody. Let, let's get to UFA status. Yeah. And, I remember talking, well, Calgary offered me the deal four years. It was, it was during the Olympic break. And I remember being like, okay, like, how do you turn that down? Like I was a guy making one and a half, uh, 800 and then one and a half. So talking to my agent, it was, it was like, I was like, okay, so if we went to free agency and the salary cap where it was, then I'm like, what would I get? And he'd be like, he said, yeah. it's very similar. Like Matthew Lombardi, who also played here, we were always comparable. So he was a free agent that summer. He got the exact same deal I got, but in Nashville. Um, so it was just kind of honestly, like looking at the situation, I still feeling it out. It seemed like a mess, but I'm like, yeah, you got Kipper, you got Jerome, you got Geo's coming on, you got Reggie. Like we still had really good players. I'm like, okay, if, you know, it's not a bad spot. And we were enjoying our first you know, a few months in the city. And then there was also a little bit, and this is just, I don't want to, it's just me as a person feeling like, no, we owe the Calgary flames. They wanted me. They traded a big piece. Like we owe this franchise, um, you know, to be here yeah, and, yeah. And, and play it out. And that was a big part of it. Like if we just walked there, um, it would have looked like I would have been hated in Calgary. Right. And maybe not because how the first few years went, but you know what I mean? At the time I was like, we all had this team traded for, for me and, and the other players. Like, let's, let's see how it goes. And that's yeah. kind of, that was, a, that was the decision process. And, um, how do you turn that down when it's your first big sure. deal? They, I could have waited till July 1st, I guess, looking back, but, um, we were in a play, we were in a playoff race at the time too. So you have the GM, Daryl at, you know, offering you this, you gotta, 
make a decision because yeah. if you say no there, then who knows how the rest of that season goes. How how hard was it? Because again, being honest, like you were saying, it's a, it was a rough start. You went from being, you know, 15, 16 double digit goals. And then that was gone. Your role with Brent is fourth line, third, maybe that sort of thing. And I think from a fan's perspective, it was like, this is not what we thought we were getting in return mm-hmm. for Dion Phaneuf. Because of course, now, as we know in Toronto, you're on that pedestal and Ron Wilson loves him and Berkey loves him. And it's, it wasn't going well for, for Hagman or for you guys. How, how did you deal with that? Cause it's not Toronto and the media is a little different in the fans. You can still probably go to the grocery store in the movies, but you, how disappointed were you in the production and were you feeling that pressure that maybe this was now a bad trade for the flames? Definitely. Like, yeah, I probably took it out at home a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely did. Um, yeah, you it like I remember going out, like you still go out with your, your teammates, don't really, even if they think it, you're still friends, like you're going out having a good time. But I remember being out in Calgary, just around the city, and fans coming up and just giving it to me. Like, and I would be like, like, what can you do? I can't yeah. start a can't yeah. you just can't you get in trouble <laughs> and I, like i remember like I, my wife would like yell back at people i'm like can we please not do that like we don't need to but it, it, there were it got to a point where like i'm like yeah let's just not go out yeah. <laughs> at times um but that's that's what you signed up for and, and it wasn't going well like i it got to a point and and david moss i love david moss he's a winger but brent had him playing third line center over me on the fourth line like I, it got to a point where I lost total trust. Um, and speaking of Brent, and I have a good relationship with Brent when I see him now, and like he's he's a good good guy. And but he he basically said I had to break you down and build you back up. That that was his logic. He he thought I needed something, and, and in his opinion, maybe he did. I my opinion, maybe he could have went about it a different way because I was always. Did you start to question yourself? Yeah. Oh yeah. I was I was in my own head too. Cause then you start worrying about, okay, I got to okay. produce, I got to do this. I got to, and then, well, and then every little mistake is oh, magnified. No, did then, Brent give you that? Like Harley did here. Here's your role. If, if, if you do these things, you're working within the program. Uh, no, or he, is there he, confusion. It was confusion, like played certain way. Um, but then you're put out only against the fourth line. You just know the coaches and trusting where Bob was like, you're playing against, this is who you're playing against every yeah. night. And so then you're like, you feel a part of it. Like you feel like you're an important piece where at the time I was kind of like, they're just trying to give me minutes. Of, they were protecting me. Ultimately the way I was, the ice time I was getting was like, they're playing me to, in roles where I'm protected where Bob yeah. was like, no, you're, and it just kind of, that's kind of how it switched. But by the end of, of Brent's tenure, Brent was playing me the last few months. I was back playing with Iggy and, and Tangs for the last few months, and we had a good stretch there to the end of that year. Um, so I think I want, like, by that point, he had trusted me, but the year and a half to that point, yeah. it was, and it was a tough time. Like, we made, we traded Reggie, we traded, like, it was a crazy time here. And, and then as a player, you're like, this kind of, you feel a lot of the at fault because the trade and then Whitey's been traded now and Hagman's been put on waivers or like it was, those were goofy years. It was again, every year you felt like this team should be really good. And then it would be a struggle Mm -hmm. and a fight. And it just seemed like, yeah, they just seemed the, the, the organization seemed to be in seven different pieces and it didn't know where the hell it was going. I was sitting in the, in the media room. This was during Brent's first year. And I worked in Red Deer for a number yeah. of years with Brent. So I knew him. And it was after a game, another loss. And Brent does the post-game coaches thing. And on his way out, he taps me on the shoulder and gives me the kind of thing. So we go into the whatever the alumni dressing room or wherever it is. And he was just like, What the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> what what have I got here? What am I what have I gotten myself into? And I said, Well, I don't know. And he just kind of like like Jaybo doesn't say a word and like no. he's just like not to pick on Jaybo. It's just yeah. but he's like we got this and it's just who's who's the leader what 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 is going on here? And there was no answer. It was like this is it's yeah. the collection of players that are here right now and it and 
a lot of those players were there through that whole time. And yes, it's just like Kipper hit a lot of stuff on the outside. Sure, he did. Hundred percent. Like, because he was always just steady Eddie. But there was just the, the problem was there was the divide was the defense and the offense. It was like certain players up front, and then certain players like like we got to commit to defense and then play from there. And then the other side was like, no, we need to score goals. That we have we, we have Kipper still playing. Yeah, right. That, we didn't. Have, yes, we, I mean, yeah, you would have been right you through it. the end of it. Because, but at the at the start, we were winning. Yes, that makes but a big difference. I came in yes. basically a year and a bit after you were done, yep. so I'm still catching how it was at the end of your tenure. Yep. That's kind of how it was until they started trading everybody. Yeah, because I had the I had the conversation with Mike Keenan. He'd run me into the rafters and was done. But halfway through the year that I was my last year under contract i hated it i was in the dressing room and i was grabbing a, a they had the day off or something yeah. and i'm in there gonna do a workout and he comes in to get a coffee and i'm like oh god great <laughs> and he actually goes what's what's with this team i said well do you want me to tell you the truth like are we actually you're actually talking like yeah. is this something and yeah. it was the same sort of questions like what what's with these guys why why is there guys going this way and that way yeah. and this way and that way? Be, and, and, and from afar and from a fan's perspective, you've got a group of guys. I mean, you had a great decor. You had an amazing goaltender. You had one of the top forwards and even maybe lines in the league. Like there was no reason for the team to struggle so mightily in those years. Yeah. But shit happens. So and you they're back- not the only team in the world to ever. And you look back now and you still can't figure it out. No, because you go through the lineups. You're like, this should be. Yeah. But it's. Because there's dysfunction. It's not like every, the only team that is free of dysfunction is the team that wins or that all teams that are making the playoffs. Oh, everything's, you know, hunky dory. It's just, it was. So then Daryl leaves and Jay comes in and bought, then Brent leaves and, and uh, Bob Hartley comes in because Feaster, because I remember there too, you knew it was happening. Because Feaster and, and Bob. How the hell did Feaster Fe- get here? Feaster my, oh. was, he would be in contact. <laughs> that was the one to me. I was like, what is this guy doing here? Right? Like, not because it, I don't know yeah. him from a hole in the ground. And I'm like, I thought Daryl was the GM. And now Feaster's working under him. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem. Who decided on that? <laughs> right? Like, it was weird. It's time to discover or rediscover the legendary St. Eugene Golf Resort and Casino. Planning a golf trip, a romantic getaway, or maybe just some tranquility away from the city? St. Eugene is the answer. Hotel, championship golf course, casino, spa, restaurants, all of it nestled in the spectacular Rocky Mountains and just minutes outside of Cranbrook, B.C. Visit their website, steugene.ca, and experience the history and heritage of the St. Eugene Golf Resort and Casino. The original Bonton Meat Market opened its doors way back in 1921, and all they've done since then is provide the highest quality product and treat customers like family. The very best AAA Alberta beef, free-range poultry, grain-fed Alberta lamb, milk-fed veal, and fresh Alberta pork. Once again, Bonton was voted the Calgary Consumer Choice Award winner for Best Deli Meat Market. Find them at 28 Crowfoot Circle Northwest, or go to bontonmeatmarket.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So, I mean, you, you look at it, so obviously Daryl was going to be gone. Yeah, but Daryl wouldn't have. Anyway, I know, but Jay Feaster, he's an out-of-work GM that has a Stanley Cup ring. I don't think yeah. it was anything more than that. Yeah, and they and beat the, the Flames in that yeah. Stanley Cup. And I had heard that Brent was still coaching the team, and Jay would be on the phone to Bob asking him what thoughts were. Like, Jesus, like, no yeah. shit, things aren't going well. So then Bob comes in, and we've talked to – I just find it funny. Like You might be one of the few guys, and maybe oddly Backlund was kind of, kind of unlocked by Bob Hartley. <laughs> Not a lot of guys love Bob Hartley. Oh, I don't, I don't love him either (laughs) by the end, but yeah, but at the time, like Bob came in. So once you trade, like once Iggy was gone, it was, so you had our young, younger team and it was kind of a new, everybody was kind of on the same page Yeah, and Bob was really good at, um, details. So, so we, we played the young team, like you got to do the details. You don't have, everybody was on the same page, very simple system. Like our breakout was basically go back and de-rim the puck. Love like that it. was honestly, our, yeah. And it, it honestly worked for a bit because yeah. the way our, we were good off the rush. We had Johnny coming in and Mon and they're good off the rush. They're not guys who go in and cycle the puck for 30 seconds and create chances. They're off the rush. So it worked. And, um, and then where Bob went sideways is he always, his thing was he would get four or five guys or he would go to the top guys and play the crap out of them and get them on his side and then start treating the rest of the team like they don't matter, yeah. right? And you can't do that because then what that does is it causes a divide in the room. And I remember being in the dressing room and and we we hashed it out one day and like as players, the room was divided and I was he, he had said something in a meeting, in a video, and he attacked like six or seven of the bottom six guys, bottom D, and we came in and I was like, that can't happen. Like our team's divided. He can't treat this half of the room one way and the other half the other way. And we You said this to Bob or no, as to, within the dressing room. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I said it to Bob too, but yeah. Bob didn't listen to players. Yeah. Um, so we hashed it out and and then everybody started realizing what he was doing. And and this was the, right after we had success the year before, too. We went made the playoffs and we were kind of a good group. And then once there was, you can start seeing a little divide. And then we had that meeting be like, no, like he's the coach. We can all hate the coach. We all got to stay together. Once we had that little hash show in our dressing room, it was like, okay, we're then all the guys who he's treating well started seeing the way he was treating everybody else. And then, then you really start to see, okay, this guy's a dick. Do you think, do you you think (laughs) that was by design? Cause sometimes they'll say, well, that's the coach's plan. It's a galvanizing thing for the room when they can come together and hate the coach. I feel like that gives a a shitty coach too much credit sometimes. No, I, I, Hey, you can't take a shitty coach, but an asshole. You can't take away what Bob did. Like he, he like made us believe and we had some good seasons, but then after a few years, you start seeing through that and then it, it goes sideways. And then I don't, it was, let's put it this way. Bob was a lot different in the media than he was in the dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was his time to go when he left, but when he came in, like he was hard work, put your work pants on details. It was what we needed. Like, honestly, it's what we needed as a team. It was like no bullshit. Well, and you give everyone a role too. Like he and did he gave you. roles. You know, that's, that's, it, that's huge. Everyone on the, yeah. It, not everyone, because I said three minutes ago, You'll get guys that butt up against that and go, yeah. well, I want to be a goal yeah. scorer. But most guys, you give them a role yeah. and set them up for success, thank you very much. That's all I need, coach. Yeah. That clarity is and, great. And he did that. And he was very, like, before every game, it would be like, 
this line if home game would be like this line you're playing against this line or this line like every there was the yeah. game planning was he was really good at that um but it it just the way you treat people sometimes catches up and even backs i remember backs kind of came to light under bob too yeah but like there was times when where backs would stand up for himself and you know it would take him a while but like the thing is when you challenge bob it didn't always it wasn't like some coaches want you to challenge him once you challenge bob you're like yeah you he's you're not ever going to win him back and that's kind of what happened with a few of us and by the end it was just like okay like, well that's why you're that's why it ends for a coach because now exactly no one where, where, you got it where you turn into you got to <laughs> try you can push your players as, as you want but you got to have their respect right that's just so and you wonder if it wasn't for jay feaster if bob would have even coached again no. after colorado because no. he came here and it was more of the same the stories were yeah. just atlanta he was terrible to yeah. people yeah yeah awful yeah. to people it's too too bad you know? yeah because he was good at certain things yeah. like so and it like you i'm just wondering again here's this dysfunctional room and then iggy jay bowmeister kiprasov you take these guys out what's that next year like it was it, we just all felt like what we had the next year was kind of the tough year right it was the end of the was that the lockout year um, we played half season, but then the, was it the next year we made the playoffs or two years after? It was two years after because we had the half season and then we had one season, Monahan's rookie year, and then the next season we made the playoffs. Yeah, Monahan's but it was, 18, Berchie's 20, those yes. guys are gone. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, uh, we just, it was like, okay, guys got to step up now. That's what it was like. Okay. The, the, the big, the Hall of Famers that are on our team are not here anymore or the, and, Guys got to step up and we do, do it by committee. That's the conversations we had, um, you know, and Gio was the perfect captain. He's, he's a soldier and, but Gio needs people around him because that Gio's so focused on what he's doing. And so there's a group of us older guys. There was, well, Camilleri was still here. Glenn Cross, um, Lee Stepniak, yeah. like none of us were like, Cammy's probably the biggest name at the time before Gio really took off. But, um, it was just kind of a collection of older guys and we just were going to work hard and it just kind of worked. And yeah. then you make a few adjustments before you know it, we're, we're surprising the league and that's kind of how it happened. But, um, it was just a different mindset. I think when, when those guys left, cause there was so much, it was so much talk still about Oh four, <laughs> honestly, like when they made the cup final and until Jerome and Kipper and everybody was gone, it was kind of okay. Like now the team's going in a different direction and that's kind of, well, they tried to slap that team, that Oh four team onto every season moving forward. Exactly. And it was like, guys, this, and Daryl left it up the year after we had the lockout year and Daryl <laughs> be a GM coach. He wanted to get older when the whole league was no, let's yeah. get younger. Like, and so from that point on, it was kind of like the Leafs when you yeah. started with Toronto. It was like you had old guys that were going to be yeah. gone in a year or two and never, never built from the ground up. And if you'd, they'd have done that, they'd have been way better off because yeah. you had Kipper and Iggy and that. Dion even came yeah. in. But if you'd have done more of that instead of trying to, we're one piece away. We're one piece away. They were one piece away for a decade yeah. almost. Right, one, like it yeah. felt like, oh, if we can just get this, oh, we're we're one piece. You weren't one piece away. You were a dysfunctional squad for six years, and now you look back at the lineups and you go, yeah, that was there was some weird teams, and you said it, and everyone knows it. Kipper hit everything. It's Kipper's fault. It's Kipper's fault. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, just look at the like what high end first round forward was brought in from that time. I can tell you got like Backlund, but he was more Backlund's not high. Like he's more Backlund like was not a high end. No, it was no, that, it like, was. But until you got Johnny and Monahan, like there was no high ends. No. Adrian Coin came in your, before you were there, yeah. and he said, "He goes, this is the first training camp in my career. I've never, I've been unimpressed, or I've not been wowed by at least one 
prospect. Prospect. Player, yeah. He goes, <laughs> like, I remember the conversation. He was like, there is not one kid in this yeah. training camp that has a chance or yeah. should have a chance to make the NHL. They, he's like, usually you go to training camp, you're like, oh, this kid, oh, this yeah, yeah. there's somebody that yeah. stands out. That happened for like numerous years. Yeah. And that was how they drafted, right? It was, oh, you didn't want European. You, if they were too small, if, if they were skilled, where, you know, where's it from? Like, Czechoslovakia? No, 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 no chance. Like, none of those guys were getting drafted. It was tough, rugged. Well, and big. again, they were, there were a lot of times in the draft position where the Leafs were, where you weren't drafting high top 10 pick, right? You were kind of bottom half of the league draft picks in the first round. So you weren't getting the, the best of the best to begin with, but they also had a philosophy that, and it, but again, it went back to the, we're a piece away. Yeah. We just need one more piece of grit to get us. And it's like, no, no, yeah. it's a fast league now. You need to revamp everything. But there was a stretch there where you had Owen Nolan come in for yeah. a couple of years. Bertuzzi came. Like, yeah. Tony was, Amante came. Yeah. It was oh, like yeah. year after year. But you got to hit on, even if they're late first, you got to hope that one or two in a decade. Wow. Well, come they, on. Yeah. But, but again, that goes back to the philosophy of the kids that they were drafting. They yeah. were not trying to take. I mean, the highest skilled guy I think they took a swing at was who the the guy that played with Taylor Hall. Yeah, Greg Nemus. Greg Nemus. Yeah, and what he played like, a couple games. Yeah. yeah, and it was like, yeah, he was good because he in junior he could yeah, give he the played puck with the to best Taylor Hall player yeah. in the freaking <laughs> yeah. draft. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you make the playoffs. You talk about 04 and how it's kind of hanging over your head. So those guys all leave, and you're it's kind of like, finally kind of a fresh start almost in a way. And then you get to the playoffs, and it's Vancouver. Do you remember what you what were your expectation levels? It's great to make the playoffs. You don't want to just now you want to do more than that. What were you thinking about that team specifically as you're getting ready for Vancouver in round one? Oh, I thought we lucked out with the matchup, definitely. I, I we thought we could beat them. Um, but we were playing like when Geo got because Geo got hurt for yeah. the rest of the season around the trade deadline. So the last 20 games, we were playing basically do or die games the way that's what we thought. Um, so we were playing hard hockey. And I remember we were in Nashville and Berkey, this is and because Berkey was the, the GM at the time. Um, and he can't, we had a meeting in Nashville. They brought in Nashville sandwiches and Nashville meat. Like it was, it was yeah. awesome. Like after, you know, and Berkey said, I'm having me with the guys. So Berkey came in and Bob was there and all our coaches and he wrote on the board. I think we had 10 at that time we had 10 games left or something or eight games left. He wrote on the board eight F and hours. That's what he wrote on the board. And we were like, what's this mean? Right. He, had, he left in there for a bit. And then he said, he came in and he said a speech. He's like, that's all we have to work and be the best for, for the rest of the season. And then every game, then the next game would be seven. And this would be on our board until the end of the season um until we got in and that it just kind of we had a goal like Gio was hurt we were playing for him and then it just kind of brought us together and it was you know the guys laugh about it but it also it, it was like it, our mindset was like that's what it was mm -hmm. and we would win games and before you know what we're playing LA at home with two games left and if we win we're in the playoffs and I remember that game like we played so well and we were playing were awesome that game. Yeah, and we were playing it. so structured like we we're i know people want to see free flowing but at that point and you watch the playoffs you got to be structured like we were having like johnny wasn't turning pucks over like like he maybe had been in his at, at points we want him yeah. to be dynamic but he even he was like buying in like we're getting pucks in deep and and it just kind of worked and then we're we make the playoffs and we're playing vancouver and game one that just i was so excited because it'd been so long since I even played a playoff game. Um, and I just remember the juices and we just, we just felt like we had this. And the, the thought was the whole time was win one road game. And then we'll take, we were a good home team that year. And, and we were in that playoffs too. And we won that first game we won late and, and Berlin did his thing. And mm -hmm. by game, then a game two, we had that brawl at the end of the game where England and, I fought two guys and I was getting pinned under the, the net oh, there. I was going to ask yeah, you about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he had no, he had no, uh, 
he had, he didn't have his fighter strap on. So his Jersey came, I couldn't grab anything. That's my excuse. But, uh, <laughs> but we, that's that, that actually like, so we lost game two, but that end of the game, that was so big for us because we were so fired up about everything that had happened there and all that we came home and we just, we, we cooked at home. Like those yeah. two games, we ran them out of the rink. And I remember with game five in Vancouver, I remember being so pissed that we didn't win that game because Hiller stood on his head that game and we lost by a goal and we didn't play well. And I remember being like after the game, like we were like, like that, this can't happen. Mm -hmm. And then we came home, we we're down three, nothing game six. <laughs> we're like, uh Oh, um, but we got a late goal in the first and then it was just kind of, we took care of business. It was, it, it was meant to be like, you want to say that, but like, we just had the right mindset, nothing to lose. It always is easier not being the favorite. Like, let's be honest, you're, you're out there and, but we just stayed in control and, and, uh, um, yeah, we, as a team, we just believed outdoor dental dentistry with no needles, no drills and no stress. Dr. Jay Patel decided a few years ago that it was time to change the dental experience for his patients. Introducing the Solea laser. This laser treatment is pain-free, will leave you feeling relaxed and comfortable. In addition, the laser is used to treat sleep apnea by increasing the tension of the soft palate to reduce snoring. In just two 15-minute treatments, you could be getting the amount and quality of sleep that you've been missing out on. Visit their website for more information and to book a consultation, outdoor.dental. That website again, outdoor.dental. The word is out. Madro's Pub in Royal Oak has become one of Calgary's best pubs, and it's no secret why. 20 beers on tap, kid-friendly Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, daily specials, lunch specials, some of the best food you're going to find in the city, period. Burgers, pastas, steaks, full entrees, and proud to serve one of the best and most talked about pizzas in Calgary. Summer's here. Come enjoy the brand new patio. Check out their website. Maybe order some takeout. Madrose.pub is the website. 15 Royal Vista Place is the address. It's Madrose Pub. I was at that game and I just remember thinking as I'm sitting there, it's like, I can't believe this is the game that I came to. <laughs> Three nothing. You fucking guys. Like, I don't get to many. Like, yeah. come on now. And then you just, it's, it turned and it was inevitable. You overwhelmed them. And it, I've asked you this before. And I, I guess it's got to be the biggest goal you've ever scored. Um, tell me about that, that third period, the clock's winding down less than five to go. And there it is. Yeah. yeah that. Well, I just remember like before that game, it was game six Saturday night and it was like an eight or eight 30. It was a late start. And coming in, like when you're warming up playing soccer, the crowd, you could just, it was buzzing in the, in the dome. And I'm sure Rhett 2004 was the same. And yeah, we go out, we actually came out strong, but then they got, they scored, they got a power play goal, whatever. We're down three, nothing, but late in that game. So our job, I had Furlan on my line and, and David Jones, we were, we were just playing as Sedins. We're like our job, shut down the Sedins. Um, and Furlan can run around and do his thing. And we'll just kind of, the safety guys to cover up for him because he would run out of position and it would that's all that was we went out for a shift and they forced the pass up the middle and we turned it over went down in a rush Furlan went into the net like he did like careless and took someone with them and almost dragged two guys jones went to the net after he shot it um and two guys over back checking for you know i'm in the slot with with a, the puck on my stick um it was rolling a bit, bouncing a bit, but I remember just taking a second and, and you're just so focused on what you're doing that like you're kind of you can't take in the crowd, but, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to put that one in and then, um, back to refocusing, <laughs> making sure that we get through the period. Cause they, they did have one more chance late in that game, but, um, it's looking back now when you, when I watch it, it, it was really loud, but at the time you're just kind of like so focused on just what you need to do to, to help your team. It was really loud and much like you and how excited you were to get back to the playoffs. So too were the fans. They just, oh, four, it was just such a thing. And to see the dome red and full and loud. And it was, that was an amazing moment. And there's some stuff online. There's, cause you're wearing a mic. 
yeah. somehow for that game. Yeah. And it's, it is the, I love how there it's just joy to the point where you're almost, you're making noises, but you're not saying, or ah, you're just yeah. kind of like, it's just yelling. You're just so yeah. excited. Um, I think they, they edited that. They might have, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but it was, it was to, it was to win. It was to win at home and it was to beat them. Yeah. It was everything. Yeah. And they were the team that for five years, like they were the team in our division that we just, well, everybody hated. Like they, they made the cup in what, 2010. Well, they were good and they had exactly a this, bunch of pricks on exactly. the team that would drive you nuts. Which was, if, <laughs> And that was almost the end of that era for them yeah, too. Yeah. Like after that, they all dismantled that team. So it was awesome. Like, and, and it was just such a good experience. The city was awesome. And like, it was just, for me, it was just so many hard times for when I came to Calgary. Um, and then to kind of build my way back up and feeling good about my game. And then to get to that point, like I was just so thankful. And, uh, it was, it was just unbelievable. Honestly, I was like, I was just so, we were just excited to go to the next round and, and, hopefully we can do the same. And we had that exciting game three at home, but um, they were just, Anaheim was just a really good team. Yeah. And they also had some pricks as a, as yes. I recall. We well, don't need to talk about a lot. That, well, that's the other <laughs> thing. When I got traded to Calgary, it was like, I went from playing in, in the East and it's, I don't know if it's as much of a thing now, but the West was way tougher to play yeah. way tougher. And then you look at our division, you had um, Thornton and San Jose of Kopitar in LA. You got, gets laughing Anaheim like that that's our division we'd have to go through and we don't have a centerman when I got like so I'm playing against these guys all of a sudden all the time where in Toronto you're not playing those guys like those guys are hard to play against let alone the rest of the team so so then the next year Sam Bennett is here and I mean, you, you can't be, because I think you were, I think there you were 32 years of age. You yeah. got lots of career left. You got time in your contract. What did you, what do you remember about coming in? Cause there's some expectation for the team. Obviously you're now a playoff team and there's some good young players coming in. How long, I mean, for you personally, was that where it started to kind of just in terms of playing time? Because yeah. like, there was some pressure to certainly play Sam and to play the kids. Did it change that quickly? It it did. Like I remember going into um, like players talk, and I remember at the end of the year, you go to your team parties and stuff, and and wide wides, who's wides, he likes to stir the pot. But he he came to me at the year end party, and he's like stage. He's like, I was like, how was your end of the year meeting? He just you, you know because it's with Bob's. So we're always laughing at some of the stuff he would say. And he goes, Bob actually brought you up in my meeting. I said, why? Like, why would I come up? Like, and he's like, he told me, he said, stage is going to be the fourth line center next year. Like basically said, that's going to be his job. That's his role. Cause he was trying to put a message to wise that you're going to play a lesser role. And, but at that point I just had a really good playoff scored. And then I hear that and I come into the season the next year and all of a sudden I'm playing and no offense to guys, but my wingers are Oleg and you know it would it would have been nice like why aren't we battling for ice time like you're just placing me and I I get you fill a role and eventually I just whatever that's my role but you still it was kind of rubbed me the wrong way and then other guys were that was kind of and then you brought in Dougie Hamilton so other guys roles changed and then there's a different dynamic on the team and we hit a rough patch and before you know it we're out of the playoffs and everybody Bob's doing irrational things. And then that's why things went sideways with Bob. Like it was a lot of things. And I wasn't the only guy, like he did that to a lot of guys. So that's kind of where that went. It was kind of a weird how it went from such a high and Mm -hmm. great that next season, it just kind of felt like it was just going to, we'll just be fine. We'll make playoffs, you know, but he didn't, he tried to force Sam Bennett into a role, maybe, you know, you shouldn't have, or actually Bennett played wing that year with Backlund and he actually did well. It was the next year where they tried to play him at center again. So it was just kind of lots of weird things going on. And that's what always happens really when you, when some, you're never gonna have the same team. So it's always gonna be different the next year. Yeah. And if guys don't fill the roles that they're expected to fill and this and that, and exactly. like sometimes you have to be adaptable. And on one hand we say, give guys roles because it's yeah. important. They like that. And on the other hand, it's like, well, they have to be able to do it too. 
Exactly. So. Yeah. Cause if someone's filling a role that maybe you played before and they're not doing it like, well, why aren't we, there's gotta be competition within yeah. still. Like you can't just give a guy a role. That's his role. I'm leaving it all year. Like if a guys on the first line, and he's not playing well, like sit him. Like I thought that was a problem too. My last few years, there is young guys would never get sat. It was like, well, we'll, and I'm fine. You scratched the, the veteran guy. Like I got sat a bunch my last few years. That's fine. If I'm not playing well, but if so-and-so is not playing well, maybe sit him. That'll teach him. Trust me. I got sat early in my career. There's nothing that wakes you up more than being a healthy scratch. Yeah, healthy scratch is never a good one. Yeah. And the young guys here never really, like it took forever. Like I love Sam Ben. I still talk to him. He's first line in the Stanley Cup, second line center in the Stanley Cup final right now. I talk to him and Chuck all the time. But it would have benefited him so much if he was scratched here and there through his first few years instead of just being given 18 minutes a night where he played. And, and that goes for a lot of those guys. Like I think it, it hurts them because if you're playing bad, like sometimes you need a reset and sometimes you need an ass kicking and yeah. wake up call, not just all oh, we'll, we'll work through it together. Like, it's almost like I get the other young guys and they're the ones you want to succeed, but it's professional sports. You also got to make sure they know that it's not okay to keep playing this way for you. Cause I know obviously the injuries, but as far as playing time and you talked about Keenan, how it didn't go, didn't go very well, but what was that, you know, the last year where you're playing in terms of ice time, responsibility role that did you face the same sort of thing where you feel like you, I should be playing more. I'm okay. If you, if I'm sitting or how did it end in a way for you? Wow. I was a little bit different because I'd been diagnosed with a shoulder that I needed to have surgery on. And I, they were like, can you hold off on that for a while and keep playing? So you try to keep playing and you're no good anymore. And all of a sudden you're supposed to, I look back and I'm ashamed of my last few years because I know the type of player I'm supposed to play like, but because of injuries, you're trying to play differently. And it's almost embarrassing, right? Like I'm work, I'm working on things like I'm going to rush the puck. Like who the F do I think I am? I've not done it for 12 years. And all of a sudden my last year in the NHL, I'm going to be a, but it was because of injuries. You were yeah. trying to adapt your game to compensate for the things that you couldn't do. So <laughs> I don't know if that answers, even answers your question, but I was, I was on my way to, to a surgery and yeah. I, he just expedited <laughs> the end. Yeah. I think as an older player, when you get scratched, you know, if you like, you know, as a player, if you played good yeah. or not, like, you know, so as a older player, if you know, you played well, and this happened to me a few times with Bob, I knew I played really well the night before, and then I'd be scratched. And that's where I would get into it with them. But if you play bad and get scratched, okay, I need to be better. It's fine. We're young guys. They don't really always know if they play good or bad because all they look at is like, well, I scored got two assists or like yeah. they, they're so focused on and, and i was the same when i was young too like you're focused on different things where when you're older you're like you just want to win you want like yeah. to make sure and and you got to have the same rules throughout the lineup through everybody you can't because if you cater to the young guys the veteran guys who are running that locker room like they're gonna get upset and it's the op like you can't have that and i just feel like that's that's just the way the NHL is. You see it with every team. Well, it feels bloody obvious too, doesn't it? But yes. then guys don't do it. And exactly. Like, How can you be missing this? Yeah. Oh, it's then you call them out and then they get mad at you even more. And it's then you're out of the league. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you were you were talking about when Berkey comes to Calgary, you're like, Well, honey, Packer stuff, because he traded me in in the last place, and I'm sure you're gonna do it again. What what were you thinking when Burke comes here? Exactly that, because it was the <laughs> exact same situation where it was last year of my contract. I was playing, and Bob was playing me in a checking role, so I was playing against their team's top lines. Because at that time, like we just mentioned, the names of of Getzlaff, like that's our division. They they don't want to put Monahan against those guys. Let's let the older guy take the dashes, <laughs> right? So I was like, we're going to get traded. And then Berkey wants to keep me. He, he he honestly pulled me aside to his credit. First day of camp, he, he brought me for a coffee. And he's like, I see you here to help the young kids along. And I'm not going to just trade you to trade you. He's like, he said, I, I know what kind of person you are. I think you're a great guy for the guys to learn from. And we're going to turn this around quickly. And I want you to be a part of it. And I went to that season that way. And at, in January, he's like, 
he obviously just wanted to make sure. And he, he kept me and, and, uh, traded Cammy and, and Stempy. So that, that's kind of, or didn't keep those guys yeah. and we're all buddies, but Berkey was very straight, straight up with me. So, and uh, signed you and signed me. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Pinder with your Betway bet of the day. Don't know if you caught much of Wimbledon, but it was an incredible performance from the young rising star of men's tennis, Alcaraz. Ousts Djokovic in the final. He's already a king on clay. Let's see how he does on hard court. The final major of the season is the U.S. Open from Flushing Meadows in Queens, New York. I love Alcaraz to win this tournament. I think it's clicked. He's the best on the planet. And thanks to everyone else for showing up. It's Carlos's tournament now. Alcaraz plus 150 to win the U.S. Open. That is my Betway bet of the day. Remember, 19 plus Ontario only. Bet the responsible way. Betway. There you have it. Part two of our sit down with Matt Stage. And I love the honesty from Stage. He's uh, he's so good in that way. It had to be tough, right? When you think about it as that player. Blockbuster deal. The league takes notice. Dion Phaneuf, wow, this is a monster trade. And in Toronto, they're very excited. Not so much to see you leave if you're Matt Stage and necessarily, but they're not broken up at all that you're leaving. And in Calgary, they're not exactly thrilled that you're what's coming back in this trade. So no question about it. That would have been a tough time for uh, for Matty Boy. Coming up in segment number three, the thousand game plateau. It's in sight. You can see it. But will he be able to experience it and feel it and taste it as the uh, ice time starts to go away and the responsibility dwindles as the coaching carousel continues in Calgary? So more uh, adversity and hockey really takes a back seat. A lot of things take a back seat as Matt and Katie are dealt a blow that uh, it's a parent's worst nightmare and it becomes a reality for the stagians. Coming up tomorrow in part three of our sit down Long form conversation style with Matt Stajan on Barnburner. Hope you join us, would you? See ya.